The views and opinions expressed in the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the producers, the affiliates, or digital platforms hosting this podcast. All content is for the purposes of education, conjecture, and at times entertainment. We promote inclusiveness and diversity. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Into the Deep with Jay Caster. Welcome to Into the Deep. I'm Jay Costa. I am ecstatic about today's guest. She's been a therapist for over 20 years and is a licensed clinical social worker. Today's guest is Jessica Raistrick. Jessica is a recent author of the book, The Gut Check, How to Reconnect with Your Intuition. She's also the founder of Inner Truth Consulting. We talk about so much in this episode like Jessica's feelings that healthcare currently is in a weird place. With her newest book, The Gut Check, Jessica wanted to curate material for those with limited time to be able to get access to the information and the guidance that they would need. So, join me as we seek light and journey into the deep with Jessica Raistrick. Enjoy. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. I can't thank you enough. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Well, I know who you are, but if you wouldn't mind sharing who you are and what it is you do, my friend. Sure. So my name is Jessica Raistrick. I am. I do a couple different things. So I am a therapist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've been a therapist for over 20 years. Um, I also am a Reiki master and as well, I'm a, a recent author. Heck yeah. That's great. I, I was going to actually ask you about the gut check. So uh, yeah, tell us more. So the gut check is really my intention for it was to give back because I know that um, like my husband and I talk about it a lot about how with the way that our world is, right? Healthcare is in a weird place right now, whether it's mental health care, whether it's, you know, medical health care. Um, and so it's hard for people to access resources. And I, I know that finances are tough, our economy's all crazy. So my thought process was, you know what, what if I can put something together where People have this little book that is a quick read because one of my biggest things, honestly, is that I feel like people take a really long time to say something pretty simple. And so I, I wanted to make it short, concise, sweet, so that people could literally be in the bathroom hiding from their kids for a second, reading a chapter. You know what I mean? Because it's hard. Like when we have kids and life and crazy, like there's so much going on that I hear people all the time say to me, I just want to read a book. So I get it. So I, I kept that in mind. And basically what it is, is it's just stuff that I've learned over the years, whether it's in my own personal journey or it's through, you know, people that come into my office and just taking these little snip snippets and snapshots of things. And at the end of each chapter, I put like a question or something for people to think about and then give them some space to journal if, if that's their thing. If not, that's cool too. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's really what I wanted to do. And I think that's wonderful. 
uh, especially like you said to your point earlier, you know, in this in this world right now, in this day and age. I mean, especially you know, with I would say during 2020, during the pandemic times and lockdown, there was a, a definite need for more mental health resources. And even post, um, there's always been a need. But um, yeah. you know, I I, I personally I, I benefit from having a therapist, you know, before and through that time, uh, and so. Why do you think it's so challenging for people to take that step to actually want to seek out a therapist or a social worker or anybody that can help them? I think there are a lot of things. I think that one of the steps that's challenging is that we all have an inner truth, no pun intended, because that's the name of my company. We (laughs) all have like, you know, our intuition is there. It's alive in all of us but a lot of times for people to go speak to somebody they know that they're going to have to look at shit they don't want to look at do you know what i mean and that's scary and i get it because listen i have been in therapy on and off throughout my life and that's why i do what i do because it's the to me the greatest gift ever um but it's hard it really is hard so i think that's one of the things that's challenging I think finding time we've our culture has gotten to this place where it's just like go 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 you know and your kids are in one direction you're going in another direction trying to bounce all these things and for parents it can be challenging like my kids needs are first and I'll get to it when I can but I want to challenge that thought process you know what I mean as parents healthy healthy marriage healthy family like when you're taking care of you and you and your spouse are on the same team the the kids will be great they really will and I I just I feel like we've gotten caught up in the the have to's and the should's and the social media, everybody posting like, hey, in Bali, hey, going here. And it's like, it's such horseshit. I'm sorry. It's like, that's not real. I, it's awesome. I'm glad people are having a good time. But no one's posting. And when people post about, you know, things that are sad, nobody wants a part of it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I think we've become a result of our culture, which has just gone so far in a different direction. Great point. I feel like, especially from when, you know, growing up, you know, we didn't have the internet. I mean, gosh, the internet for me, I wasn't introduced to it until I was already like in my teens. And again, it was a completely different kind of internet than what we know today. Sure, there were chat rooms and things like that. But, you know, this social media aspect of things, you know, where people are posting these images and it's this constant, and I'm going to date myself here by saying, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses, you know, or the Rockefellers, so to speak, you know, it's like everybody's trying to compete with somebody else's lifestyle. And I've just seen that as being completely unhealthy. Totally. And what it does is like, even with our kids, what it does is it's, it stops, it disconnects people from their intuition, right? It disconnects people from themselves. So what I keep seeing is just this constant cycle of overthinking and people are not in their bodies anymore because they're too busy, like looking at what everyone else is doing or finding ways to zone out that are on an electronic it's so you're not really helping yourself and i've noticed that a lot of people really struggle to just sit still you know and here's the thing the other purpose for my book is like we talk about mindfulness we talk about 
sitting still. And those things are fabulous. I'm a huge supporter of that. But a lot of people don't know what that means or how to even do that. Like mindfulness is a skill that you develop. It's not something that you just sit still for five minutes and all of a sudden you're mindful. Do you know what I mean? And so the goal of my book is to help people in ways that are tangible, start connecting to themselves now so that they can engage in this, these mindfulness activities and truly experience it, not just talk about, yeah, I did some mindfulness today, but not even really know what that encompasses. Also great points. And I find that too, even amongst peers, you know, through colleagues at work, friends, when you talk about mindfulness and people, oh, I don't have time to meditate. I, I don't know how to meditate. You know, I can't sit still. Why, why is it that we don't allow ourselves, not us, but in general, like you said earlier, you touched upon so many great things, you know, this hustle and bustle, you know, get the kids somewhere, go to work, do our things. And that whole self-care piece has just gone out the window and we're not the best versions of ourselves. So therefore, by proxy, the kids can't be the best versions of themselves. 100%. 100%. And I think I what I see a lot of is parents fear. Okay, so what happens is, is a lot of parents are scared. If my kids are not in sports and not doing this and not going, they're going to be drug addicts. It's this like all or nothing thought process. And a lot of parenting is led by fear. And so it's, you know, it's my kids have to be busy so that they are healthy, so that they do well in school, so that they do all these things. Also, too, let's not kid ourselves. It's also this like statusy thing. Oh, well, my kids do this and my kids do this. And it's like at the end of the day, it's not good for our children because what we're teaching them to do is ignore themselves. So, like, when our kids are tired, we focus more on the fact that. Well, you committed to this, so you got to do it. But then what we're telling them is ignore the fact that your body's screaming at you saying, I'm exhausted and I can't do this anymore and just push through and suck it up. You know what I mean? And it's so we inadvertently are teaching our kids to do the same, to be on the same hamster wheel we potentially are on as adults. And it just is not, we're creating stress and anxiety, stress and anxiety. And these kids are suffering big time. 100% agree. And for me, you know, I, oh gosh, I have such a wonderful relationship with my parents. My mom passed away a couple of years ago, but, but my parents, Sorry. thank you. Yeah. She was a wonderful one. My best friend, sincerely. And, um, you know, and my dad was working hard, but like, there was this model of like, even if I'm sick, I'm going to work and I'm going to do this. Like I never saw, I never, I never saw self-care in my dad. It was always this like, mm -hmm got to go to work, do this thing. And so my mom would always reinforce self-care for my dad, would always reinforce self-care for my brother and myself. And so through adulthood, I've had to remind myself of those things. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I, my parents weren't as bad. My parents were pretty good about self-care. Actually, they were good about that balance. I though, growing up, definitely got into the pattern of like, go, go, go. Like I was in a ton of sports. I was in a ton. And it's not, it, I definitely can say it wasn't because my parents encouraged that. It was more my desire. But what I realized was that it was my way of managing my emotions at that time. So it was me going, going, going because there was stuff going on inside that I wasn't a huge fan of and didn't know what to do with it. Right. So 
it's that's the other thing is that there is that line between a healthy busy and avoidance and i think mm. what people don't realize is that just because you're doing something healthy doesn't mean you're not avoiding like you can we can abuse anything in life we can abuse exercise we can abuse water we can abuse i mean anything so it's you know, I was just talking with somebody about this the other day. There is that line of healthy distraction, which is very real and serves a wonderful purpose and avoidance, right? So that line looks like if something is a healthy distraction, where it remains just a healthy distraction is when you're able to come back to the emotion that you are separating from. But when you continue to stay in healthy distraction, that becomes avoidance. Right. So essentially not confronting those feelings or emotions. You're just escaping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like anything, right? Like if we have uh, a challenge with our partner and we have a discussion and we both agree, like we need to take a break or one person says, all right, time out. I'm going to get sassy. I got to step back. Then it's your responsibility to go back when you're calm and say, Hey, can we check in about that? Because when you don't go back to check in, whether it's with yourself or with your partner or with anyone you've had a conflict with, you're, what you're doing is you're just brushing it under the rug, suppressing it, ignoring it, however you want to phrase it. But it's that stuff builds, that stuff sets up shop in our bodies, which is why I started doing Reiki is because there needs to be that healthy balance of moving the emotions from an emotional standpoint, but then also moving them throughout our bodies. And um, my husband's a naturopath and he also specializes in Chinese medicine. And so he and I started, you know, just exploring like how can we continue to help people to move things emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Absolutely. And it's gosh, and even in my experience too, when you start really feeling and thinking about these blockages of energy and how we don't allow ourselves sometimes to release them. But then the moment we, we face them, work them, whether it's through exercise or seeing a practitioner of Reiki or anything, we're, we're able to kind of eliminate these blockages and get that flow again. We notice a difference. Why do you think people are so apprehensive to even try Reiki? Oh, do you have an hour or two? <laughs> I think that I think that I had listen. I literally have people because okay. So I lost my father five years ago, and it I'm was so sorry. Thank you to your like earth shattering, right? Like yep. to lose a parent is just something. And I feel like even though we're older, we're pretty young to lose parents, right? It was yep. definitely not on my radar, right? Um, but what happened was, is my dad, after passing, gave me the best gift he could have ever given me, which was the gift of his intuition. Meaning, I went through this whole like spiritual upheaval after he died and was like, there's no way he's gone. Like, there's no way. That just doesn't sit right with me. I know he's watching. I know he's there. Dad, give me signs. Show me something. You know what I mean? And so... And I'll get back to your question. So he um, he would start showing me signs. And that's how I ended up getting into Reiki was I was like, there is more like I knew it in here, but then I started seeing it. Right. And so um, as I as I developed my Reiki skills, 
I can connect with people that have passed. I can even connect with people that are here. And so I've had people say to me like, okay, now you're freaking me out a little bit because I just, I things come through. I can't help it. Right. Like, but it's amazing. And so the reason why I think that people struggle is because we do. So I, in my book, I wrote a chapter about, do you have data to back that up? I feel like we have become so focused on what are the statistics? What are the studies? All this like concrete scientific stuff. And as a result, we've lost the ability to discern and to have faith in something outside of ourselves. And so essentially for people to come to me, I'm asking them to put that aside for a little bit. And I'm asking them to honor that it's possible that there could be something else, right? And that scares the shit out of people. It really scares them because it's like, you can't taste it. You can't touch it. You can't, you know what I mean? Like, that's not real. Or some people will. I think the most impact I have is when people come to see me that I don't know. Right. And I do Reiki and I tell them stuff that there's no way I would have known this. Like you can't make this stuff up, you know, and it could go either way. Right. They could be like, Oh, wow. Or it could go. Yeah. She's a not. And I want to go back to her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it just, I feel like it's fear. It's fear of the unknown. It's fear of the fact that I'm challenging belief systems that are either inherited or that they have solidified. Or if someone is really religious, I'm challenging that belief that it's just God or just whomever. Those are great points too. I, a lot of individuals tend to favor tradition versus truth, or like you said, their discernment that we've seemingly gotten away from, you know, but we can even see in the sciences where things that were once fringe, you know, like quantum physics are now it's like, this is reality of it. There's this, you know, congruence between spirituality and science. And that was something that, you know, was hogwash, you know, 20 years ago, 30 right. years ago. So uh, it's amazing that these conversations that individuals can have today that, you know, maybe people like ourselves were having five, 10 years ago, but, you know, people are now just kind of coming into, um, to actually give it that experience. So when you talk about that intuition, it's interesting because I, I, I'm always of the opinion that everyone has it but not everyone knows they have it or how to tap into it based on either upbringing, dogma, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay. Curious what, what your thoughts are on that. I agree. I think that they're how I see kind of the life cycle, right? Is when we're born into this world, we are born so pure, right? So innocent, so pure. And this is where, right? Nature versus nurture comes in. So as little kids, I feel like what happens is, is as adults, we can become so kind of solidified in our ego or in, in our wounds, in whatever it is, our disillusionment, that we end up inadvertently, not intentionally, but inadvertently teaching our children not to listen to their intuition right? Because their purity is so beautiful that if we have become disillusioned, it's like, 
oh, just wait 10 years. You'll figure it out. You know what I mean? And we've all said something stupid like that at some point. But what I've learned through my kids uh, is when we as parents just shut up sometimes and just listen, our children see a lot more than we give them credit for seeing. And a lot of the times it's because of our own wounds and our own issues that we can't see what they're saying or hear what they're saying because it bucks up against our insecurities, our what we perceive as our knowledge base. So having that said, we start out with intuition. I truly believe that. But it's a matter of whether or not we are in an environment that supports honing it or that supports squashing it. Because I do, I have a lot of people that I work with um, and do Reiki with that have amazing intuition. Amazing. But what's happened is why they're with me is because somewhere along the line, they've gotten away from it. They know something's there because you can feel it. You feel it in your soul. It's this like, something's not right here. Something's not right here. But people, a lot of times will ignore it because they have nothing, they have no proof, mm-hmm. right? And so other people around us, I'll give you a perfect example. I, a couple years ago, had some medical issues. Something I knew, I knew in my soul, something was wrong with my uterus. Like I was so sure, I had no proof of anything. I had a bunch of tests. No, 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 nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. It's your pelvic floor, which is muscular. I was like, it is not my pelvic floor. Anyway, I went to doctor to doctor and I have no problems arguing with people. In case you haven't, I will like stand up. <laughs> I'm not going to say, oh, okay. So I pushed, I pushed, I pushed. Anyway, long convoluted route, long convoluted story. I end up having to have surgery. They send my feminine parts to pathology. Comes back. I had a disease in my uterus. But because no one saw it on tests or no one believed it, it, I was ignored. And I was completely like poo-pooed. And I remember saying to my husband, I was like, because the day after surgery, I felt like a million dollars, like a million dollars. And I said, I was like, I knew, (laughs) you know, but it's so, it's so frustrating. And I feel badly. And that's also why I wrote this book, because I feel badly at how many people go to providers doesn't matter whether it's mental health, medical, and they know something is wrong, but they get ignored. It's wrong. And and that's their intuition speaking. When they know something's wrong, even though they can't prove it, it's we need to be better at listening. Wholeheartedly agree. I, I think as a, a culture and as a society, we wait to talk. And I just, I am clearly, I'm so passionate about this. Like, I just, I want people to trust themselves. I want to help people because we, you know, when we don't trust ourselves in relationships, it shows up in unhealthy ways. When we don't trust ourselves in, you know, our learning our limits, it it, it shows up everywhere. If we aren't able to listen to ourselves, 99% of the time we go, I knew it and I should have listened to myself. Yep. And you always have that aha moment, you know, <laughs> it's like, ah, I knew it. Totally. Something, something told me. That's so fascinating. Right. 
trying to figure out what it is, you know, this connection to consciousness, what, however anyone wants to describe it. Well, and I think it, I think what it is too is connection to our bodies because our bodies will tell us something's off before it may even get to our head, right? Like when we're anxiety, a, a lot of anxiety is a battle within ourselves, right? Like we're, we're ignoring, we're actively ignoring what our body's trying to communicate. So like, and I see it all the time and I've done it too, you know, your, your stomach starts grumbling and it's like, oh, I'm just hungry or, oh, I'm just this, like we push it off on something. But it may be something that you ate. Your body's telling you, please don't send that down down your gullet again. You know what I mean? But because we're so disconnected and we're spending so much time up here, we minimize ourselves and we ignore, you know, what and there are also a lot of ways that spiritually, you know, are like the universe will talk to us, you know, whether it's like an ache in your arm or, you know, cause your, your right side's masculine, left side's feminine. Like there are so many things going on at any given time, but we need to stop. We need to slow down to be able to hear it. What do you think are some best practices or maybe some things that, you know, maybe you've implemented in your life or that you would encourage others to implement in their life to, slow down and listen so one of the things i say which in the book is the pause the pause can be used for everything so a pause in a conversation if you are in a conversation and you can feel yourself getting hot you feel your stomach start to turn even if you you can't identify what's going on in that moment just stop Say, okay, I need a timeout. Can you give me 10 minutes? Or I got to take a step back and just check in with yourself, right? The pause can be implemented when someone asks you if you want to do something. Instead, especially if you're someone that's like, yeah, 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 you know, say, hey, that sounds awesome. Let me check in with my partner. Or if you don't have a partner, let me check in with my calendar and I will be back to you by the end of the day. Stop responding right away. And that I think is the first step for anybody, right? You have to, you have to take that space to just feel, hear, allow. And, um, another thing that I encourage people to do, and I know that there's a lot of talk about this too, but just being outside, you know, whether it's outside for five minutes, sitting and just kind of dazing off into space or watching a bird at the bird feeder or whatever it is, but just, getting change of scenery right for a couple minutes taking a walk i love taking walks like getting out for a walk and just kind of observing um it's it's not hard sometimes what i'll tell people to do is literally set it in your calendar whether it's on your phone whether it's whatever like schedule time and for some people that are that are over scheduled right that schedule every second of their day i ask them to start just with five minutes just set a timer for five minutes and sit there and do, like force yourself to do nothing and then write down what your body's doing right is your leg moving is your stomach turning is are you like does your chest get tight right like we just have to start somewhere it doesn't have to be a big grandia grandiose message or you know change but just start 
I love that. It's so fascinating because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like uh, cell phones have absolutely had such a negative impact on the ability to just be. And it's, it's true. It's wild to me that people can inherently know it. And I'm guilty of it too. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and say, I, I, I've never been guilty of it a hundred percent, but I'm, I've also made myself more mindful to, I shut it off. I put it down. I put it away, put it in another room, go outside. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't know that a younger generation that, you know, cause you know, we didn't grow up with cell phones, but this generation that, I mean, they've been born into it. A younger generation has been born into it. That's all they know. So what is that going to look like? I think that it can go a couple different directions, right? I just a cute little anecdote. I went to go see my mom, my cousin and I had been wanting to go see Bruno Mars. And um, for my cousin's birthday, it was a big birthday. So we're like, let's go. We're getting tickets. We get there. He takes your phones. So what they do is they make you put your phone. I know they make you put your phones in this like case that locks and you get to hold your phone with you, but you can't use it. And like the second song in, he was like, I have a brand new song for you. He starts singing. And he's like, I got your phone. <laughs> it was hilarious, but it was brilliant, right? It was brilliant. And so what I, how I feel is with our children and these younger generations, we can't ignore that this is a part of their lives, right? right? It's just like Atari when Atari first came out. It's just like when the television first came out, although they weren't as portable as things are now, that is different. But um, I come from the stance of we need to, it's, we need to teach them how to use it in a balanced way. We need to teach them how to be able to put it down and we need to teach them how to use it properly. If we go to the extreme and say, no phones, we're not doing phones in this family, blah, blah. I get that philosophy. I can empathize with it. And I don't think that's realistic because all the children have phones. So then, then we're in the place of our kids getting their, getting teased because they don't have a phone or they're not able to connect with the other kids because they don't have a phone, right? Like, so there are all these layers of stuff that get involved. So I'm of the philosophy we have to, it takes work to balance things. And every time we find a balance, right? Something comes in, we have a child, we get married, we do all these things and we have to find a new balance, but that's life. Life is about being adaptable. Life is about learning how to shift and pivot. And so I feel like the sooner we can teach our kids that through talking about it, but also through modeling it, the better suited they're going to be as they get older. 100% concur. It's, and I love that, you know, bringing it back to just balance, you know, that is everything. Um, health, the world, life, everything, that balance, the yin, the yang, it's been there it's it's been written down through antiquity and we somehow avoid balance at times <laughs> so true it's so true and i feel like you know in life the pendulum swings right so we we phones the cell phones came out and internet like it was this big boom right and so everybody's like ah, bah, 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 bah. and then 
from like diving in so deep, then we start to see the unintended consequences. And then you see the pendulum swing all the way back to the other side of like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so it's, I feel like we can create balance without swinging so far to the right or to the left, but it, it takes conscious effort and it takes a lot of effort, just like relationships, just like maintaining our health, just anything we have to, it has to be intentional. I think going back even a little bit, just bringing into this, talking about some intuition and sometimes knowing that you need to make a change, feeling that you need to make a change, yet not taking that step. There are a lot of folks that probably, maybe even listening to this, watching this, that feel like something's either wrong or that they need to balance things out, maybe set boundaries. What advice would you give somebody who maybe is on the precipice and might need to take that step? Start small. It's my favorite quote, and I have this on our fridge, is people often fear change because they focus on what they have to lose instead of focusing on what they have to gain. So very often when we approach change, there is fear of the unknown and there's fear of letting go, right? And our culture talks about letting go like it's like, you know, throwing a napkin out in the garbage like oh just let it go just let it go it's not that easy if it was that easy everyone would let it go you know but it's um it's it's about making change in ways that feel good to you so an example is i had to make some major nutritional shifts with my health stuff that was going on I literally cried like a five-year-old. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was like, you mean I can't have fluid? Like, I was devastated. And so I, we looked at and worked on what is the, the smallest thing I can change that'll make the biggest impact. And that's where I started. Start with something that feels attainable, that feels achievable. So for me, it was taking out this one specific area and I don't, I didn't have to do it forever, but just to, to rebalance my body, I had to do it for a short period of time. And I felt good, right? You build the momentum and it's like, Oh, I got this. I can do this. And then you make another shift, but it's when we go like gung ho and try to do all these things in one shot that we set ourselves up for failure. Really? I mean, we put ourselves in a position that it's, it's not sustainable. And so stop and think about what is, what change am I going to make that's going to be sustainable? And the the first step is that making this first step, is that going to make me feel good? Often people fear change too, because they don't want to feel the discomfort of the change, right? So whether it's a change in a relationship, whether it's a change in the way they parent, whether it's a change in anything, right? There's discomfort that comes along with that. But we have to almost welcome and allow that discomfort to be able to move through it. You can't go around it because what ends up happening, and I use the phrase your emotional faucet, is the more you keep trying to avoid this change, you're just building 
block in your emotional faucet, right? It's like a big, gross hair block that needs to come out. And then at some point, there's going to be so much force that it's going to come out and you're going to have no control over how it comes out, when it comes out, where it comes out. And it, it feels so much more intimidating. So we need to, you know, do these things in small little steps that feel good. And that's fantastic advice. You're, you're right. I think some, some individuals can have, you know, the tendency to go all in. And like you said, we're just setting ourselves up for failure when we get overwhelmed with it's too much. I can't handle this. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's a wonderful way to go about that. Shifting gears a little bit, if, if that's all right, thinking about, yeah. you, you know, what got you on this trajectory for, you know, with, with everything that you've been doing, like, was there a catalyst that you could point back to that you feel like was a defining moment or was it just this evolution to where you are today? It's a little bit of both. So I started, um, when I was in seventh grade, I, I was having trouble, like just connecting with peers. I, you know, I've always been told you're an old soul and, you know, I am very intuitive. I've always had a good read and I just, I didn't, I didn't feel like I always kind of connected with peers my age. I, I connected more with older people. And so I wanted to, I wanted to understand that better. My mom, you know, was like, why don't you, do you want to go talk to somebody? And at that time it wasn't popular like it is now to talk to somebody, right? Like it was, I was like, they're going to think I'm crazy. If my friends find out I'm going to be, you know, like it was, but I, I was like, you know what? I need to, I, I want to. And I'll never forget, like, it was just the best feeling to me to be in a space where I could say whatever I wanted. I could just be me. I could get it all out. There was no judgment. There was no, it was just, it felt amazing. And so I actually wrote my eighth grade career report on being a therapist. I knew, yeah, oh. 100%. I knew it. I knew like I wanted to give that gift to other people because it was just, and I was that person, like my friends always talked to me about their issues with their boyfriends or, you know what I mean? And so, um, and when I went to school, I loved it even more. So for that part, it was me seeing somebody that started that. Um, and over time, just, I, I've worked in a lot of different areas of it. So I have worked, um, with people struggling with drugs and alcohol that were in jail. I've worked in foster care. I've run facilities. I've been an executive director. Like I've, so I've been in administration and on the front lines and for that stuff, it's just kind of evolved. Like I literally, I started manifesting before I even knew what manifesting was. And I didn't even know that that's what I was doing until I did a deeper spiritual dive. Right. Um, but as far as my career goes, I've always, anything I've wanted to do, I've done in my life, right? Like anything I want to do, I do. I will find, I know enough about who I am that it will happen. I don't know when, but I know it will. Um, and then as far as the Reiki thing, like I was receiving Reiki from someone and she's like, you need to do this for people. Like you need to put your hands on people. And never in a million years did I think like I had always been interested and always received Reiki, but never did I think that I had that skill. 
And so it was actually during the pandemic and she was like, I have these, you know, great teachers. And I was like, yeah, why not? So I, I trained privately with them, which I was super grateful for because normally they did like big classes, but I know me and because I can go into therapist mode, like I wanted to truly learn. I didn't want to take care of, um, and it was wonderful. And I, and selfishly, it was great because it was catered to where I was as opposed to like starting at a place where I had already been to. Um, and then I just started doing it and it just, it has just evolved naturally. And I am a big believer that things will, things will show up. But again, we have to kind of be aware, like when people present those opportunities to take them. Absolutely. Love that you brought up the point of, you know, the learning environment for you so that you could learn and not take care of. Um, do, do you find that challenging in, in your everyday life? Well, it's funny. It's, yeah, sometimes, but it's, it's also funny because a lot of people think because of what I do for a living that I literally spend every minute analyzing everyone and everything. And I'm like, first of all, you don't pay me enough. Second of all, I don't have the bandwidth. Like that's not real. So anyone out there, therapists do not spend their entire day analyzing everyone. Like it's not humanly possible. So, um, but yes, I have over the years, I have gotten much better at being able to take care of me, set some boundaries, do all those things. Am I perfect? By no means. But I, um, I feel much better about where I am and my ability to do that. Um, but it is by nature. I am, I'm a lover. I'm a mush, right? Like I, I love helping people to feel good. I love sitting with people in their darkest hour. Like, because, and the other thing back to your, sorry to sidetrack to your other question about, um, I forget how you asked it. Oh, oh about the first step. The other thing I wanted to say is stick with people that are your biggest cheerleaders. We all need cheerleaders. And if you think you don't, you, you're lying to yourself. Like we all need someone that's in our corner saying, you're doing a great job or dude, you're killing it, whatever it is. And like, I try to do that with the people that I work with because when we're going through change, one of the biggest things that's important to me is being able to point out someone's change. Even if they don't see it, I can. And so I want, I say to them, like, you chose to do this differently. You chose to, you know, whatever it is. And then they're like, oh, you're right. I did. Because people can, so we can so quickly minimize what we're doing, right? That being able to honor and see that is so huge. So I'm sorry I got sidetracked, but I feel like no, that's so important. It is so important. I mean, that's why the name of the show is Into the Deep. We can go in any direction. Tangentville, USA. I'm all about it. Okay, good. <laughs> I think I'm the mayor of Tangentville, so it's... <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I can't, I, yeah, it's like a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> it It's so true. Yeah. And we... um, I... I I love the the aspect of, you know, we all need cheerleaders because it's true, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, you know, and I love the adage of, you know, go where you're celebrated, 
not what you tolerated. And it was such, for me, when I first had read that, it, it had such a, I had such an epiphany. It had such an impact on my life of where I was at that point and saying, gosh, like, this is important. You know, life as we know it, to the best of our knowledge, it is, it's short, it's fleeting, and there are no guarantees except for a few things. So we got to make the best of it while we're here, help others, celebrate others, but also go we where we are celebrated and where we have people in our corner, like you said to your point. And I love that you brought up acknowledging when someone's made that change, we need to do that more often for each other. Yeah, we do because it's hard to make change. It's scary. It's intimidating. And we all need a team behind us. We all do. It's, it's the best thing ever. You know, when you have people that can take their ego out of it and just celebrate you for who you are and what you stand for and what you, you know, it's, it's such a gift. It really is. And I just, I, you know, I'm not a traditional therapist in the sense that I probably don't follow all the rules as much as I should, but it's, I believe in that, that connection. I believe in that, you know, feeling their heart and them being able to feel yours Cause I want people to know I'm human too. Like I am not, I'm no greater than anybody else. I'm just here in it with you and I can give you a different perspective. Absolutely. I love that. I got to ask in your opinion and your feelings and your thoughts, what's the one, I guess one, I don't know if I don't even want to call it stigma, but what is it that if you could tell people and I guess kind of break down the walls for people in their fears or thoughts of what therapy is that have never done it before? How would how would you describe it or how would you I'm not sure I'm articulating this properly, but, you know, what's that one thing that you wish you could just say to someone who's never gone to therapy before? What I would say to them is if that first phone call, when you're reaching out, doesn't feel right, move on. Don't try, don't force yourself to go see someone just because someone said they're good or like, I'm not a therapist that's meant for everybody. Everybody's not meant to be work with me. Trust how the conversation feels. If you get off the phone, you're like, or that felt cold or she's an idiot or whatever. You know what I mean? Like then move on. Don't spend time trying to figure out why just trust that it didn't feel right. That's all you need. That is all you need. Keep it moving, find someone else. And, and that's where you start. It needs to feel good. It needs. And because if it doesn't feel good off the rip, when you start getting into uncomfortable stuff, it's really not going to feel good. And you're not going to want to go back. And also like with kids, you know, for parents out there, I don't believe in forcing your children to go to therapy if there isn't any major issue. Obviously, if there are, you know, if they're harming themselves, yes, there are parameters around that for sure. But forcing children to go at a young age, how I've seen that play out is that very often then they don't ever want to go back even in the future. And that I don't want to do to our children. I feel like it's so important that they 
feel like they have a, a say in whether it's who the provider is or frequency. Like very often when I see kids, I say to them, how often do you want to come? Like I, I'm not traditional in the sense that I'm like, you have to come every week for 45 minutes. I ask people at the end of each session, when do you want to come back? Because it's not my place to determine their process. Again, if it's an acute situation and there's, you know, suicide or self-harm or something like that, different story. But if it's life stressors, the best engagement I'm going to get is when someone is invested in and feels like they have part in how often they come. So those are the things that I feel really strongly about is, is one, if it doesn't feel right, then it's not right. That's, that's the only info you need is this doesn't feel good. Find someone else. You'll know when you find them. It's just like when you find a, a partner that you're dating, you know, when it feels good, you know, when it doesn't. I love that. And it's so true. Um, gosh, you know, I remember, you know, even just like my first, my first experience with, you know, a, a therapist in adulthood, I guess you could say, you know, was like going to see someone and talking to them, but like, it didn't work out because I wasn't doing my part. You know, I wasn't telling the full truth. I was still holding yeah. on to this like mask, the charade of like what I thought things were and what I thought I was and how I chose to present myself to the therapist. And, mm -hmm. you know, it takes time for the individual to realize, like, no, this isn't going to work because of me. I've got to do the work. How often do you totally. think that? Yeah. It, how often do you think that that occurs? I mean, it's got to happen often, I would imagine. I think what happens is I'm a believer that different people come into our lives at different parts of our journey, right? So I may be a wonderful fit for someone at a certain part of their journey, but then they may need to move on to someone else who has a different skill set that complements where they're now at. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I think that that can be a situation that comes up that, you know, where people can get stuck. And I'm a person that I'll say, Hey, do you, do you think this is working? Do you think we need to look at maybe, you know, I have, I have no problem saying that a lot of people don't. Some people do. Um, I think the other thing is sometimes it's, it's easier to stay stuck because it's a known. That may sound weird, but it's true, right? Like it's, I know how it feels to stay stuck. So it's easier for me to stay in this place than it is for me to challenge my fear. As far as what you're saying, yes, I do think that there are a decent amount of times where someone um, feels like they're not getting anything out of the therapy and blames it on the therapist, but in part it's because they're not showing themselves. And I tell people that from the beginning, I'm like, listen, I can only work with what you give me. If you are lying to me, that's on you. You know what I mean? If, if you want the best results, it's going to require you to get down and dirty raw. The best that you can for where you're at, you know? 100%. So, so true. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can attest that it's the, the benefits of it are astronomical. They're fantastic. I'm a huge advocate. And uh, I tell my friends all the time, you know, if you can do it when you're ready, do it um, constantly, you know, so that's why I love talking about it. That's why I love having the podcast and being so open about it, just so we can have that dialogue and that people don't yeah. feel that there's a stigma of going to a therapist or that there's something wrong with them. 
you know, I think everyone could benefit from talking to someone. Oh, totally. And I think that it's, it's such a gift to know that that space is yours. Like when you find the right fit, you even if nothing monumental came out of session and you walk away feeling a little lighter that there's your data that's your data is that you feel lighter that is your knowing that this is helpful it's you know it again it's that connection with our bodies and what we feel in our bodies and it's huge it's huge I love therapy. I mean, I'm so biased, but I love it. You know, but I joke with people like, I'm sure my kids will go to therapy at some point. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, my mother was a therapist. She talked too much. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I'm like, good, have at it. I'll help you find somebody good. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, it's great. It's great to have someone that's just for you. Mm-hmm. And they have no skin in the game. You know what I mean? They have no, you know. I it's love perfect. that. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, <laughs> so it's a, a little, uh, little fear in there, maybe like, oh no. <laughs> but it's, just, I love that. It's just great it's, to think about. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's so real. Like my, you know, I, I feel like we all have our stuff. None of us parent perfectly. None of us show up perfectly. Like, it's good. It's all good. It's, you know, we just as. As long as we are willing to continue to take an inventory and continue to look at ourselves and how we show up in our lives and our relationships for ourselves, we'll be good. It's really pretty awesome. I love that. Oh, Jessica, I, I cannot thank you enough for this. Where can folks find you on the internet? How, how can they find you? So I, <laughs> I'm kind of lame. I um. <laughs> So I do, I have a website. They can just go to innertruthconsulting.com. Um, they can also find me on Instagram, I guess. I, ha- I had a team doing the Instagram, but then I'm taking it over, but I don't even know what I'm doing. So don't hold your breath for that. <laughs> um, and But my website is probably the best place to find me is innertruthconsulting.com. I'm located in Watertown at the Center for Natural Medicine. My husband and I rock it out there. And it's, um, I love what we do. And I just want to keep, you know, I want to help as many people as we can help because there's just, the world is hurting right now. And there you have it. I cannot thank Jessica enough for her time, her space, and all her energy. I implore each and every one of you to check out Jessica's book, The Gut Check, How to Reconnect with Your Intuition on Amazon, as well as through the link at innertruthconsulting.com. Thank you all so much for checking out this episode, as well as all the other episodes. If you can, take some time and hit that like button and take some time and subscribe to the channel right now. Comment below and let us know what you thought of this episode, as well as all the other episodes. Thank you each and every one of you. Until next time, take care of one another and keep thinking for yourself.